This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 415 for Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021, the first day of fall, as a matter of fact. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Luke Page is back. You can find him at Busy Zombie Lord and all the social media that matters, and of course, co-hosting Zombies Ate My Podcast with Ryan Murphy. Summer's over, Lou. Welcome back. I'm actually kind of glad summer's over. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to winter, but fall isn't too bad. I like fall. Fall's always my favorite time of year. Uh, I like the way that the light falls. I find it very cinematic. Uh, I live on the coast, so when the, the sun is lower in the sky, it bounces off the water and everything shimmers. Uh, not that summer isn't pretty in Nova Scotia, but uh, this year summer was hotter than Haiti's arsehole. So <laughs> just I'm I'm happy to see it go. Uh, I enjoy being in my apartment without a fan going and realizing I'm actually quite comfortable right now. <laughs> yep, uh, that's that part is is nice. I agree, but I also blinked, and August and September have just vanished, which I know we say a lot on the show. I think it's just because. Uh, I find this time of year very busy. Uh, I find that oh yeah, podcasting, uh, the listener engagement is up because people are back from vacation. They're back. They're going back to school. There's a lot more commuting going on, uh, so people have this dead space that they need to fill with podcasts, and so which I'm happy for. Don't get me wrong, but that means that there's more emails. Uh, there's more uh, uh, social interaction. There's more Twitter responses. There's um, higher engagement on, on Twitch. Uh, I've been participating as best I can in the September event on Twitch. I've been streaming almost every day, uh, on, on the platform and, uh, and enjoying it, which has been a lot of fun, uh, and have seen a lot of great support. So I'm really thankful for that, but it just means that September has just been eaten up by work, which is fine as a freelancer, as, as a, as an independent, you know, creator and and content creator you're just like yeah this is what i want i want i want more work rather than less uh i'd rather be too busy the the hard part i think all uh, about all of it which i still have a a difficult time doing as an entrepreneur um even after years of experience is just managing expectations of people that come to you and say hey i want to hire you to do this thing and you're just like sure there's a line though (laughs) like when do you need it by uh which is again I'd rather have, uh, you know, this problem than the other thing, which is where you're hunting for work, looking for work. And I, I never liked that feeling. So, um, no, I, I understand that we're in the process of having our house painted outside and, uh, we reached out back in April and they're here now. And this was the soonest that we could get anybody to come paint. The house. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. how book solid most contractors are right now. Yep. I, I feel that, uh, too, with a lot of, friends that own houses as they try to do things uh in their backyards i know steven was just talking about this on the show the last time we spoke which was that uh he wanted to redo their deck this summer because you know it's COVID 19 you're not going anywhere but that's the idea that the rest of canada also had <laughs> and so yes. you can't find uh the lumber or a handyman to to do the thing that you want to be 
doing in your nope. in your backyard? I, I have a big I have a big it's it's about twenty by thirty deck out back. It's huge. And it really like the deck itself is solid, but the boards that run across the bo- the 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 base of it need to some of them need to be replaced. And I was like, this is a project I should do. And then I saw wood prices, and I said, when prices go down. And <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a good time of year to uh, grab a coffee, play some video games, uh, enjoy the inside. Uh, I also want to get in some fall hikes because um, I I haven't hiked at all this year, and I'm. I say that with with some regret because I really feel like there were some opportunities to go, but being so busy and doing the streaming thing now on the weekend, which has kind of replaced any kind of like back when I used to have a part-time job outside the house, um, streaming has replaced that, which is fantastic, but it does mean that I'm kind of working weekends because weekends is kind of like when, for me, the Minecraft audience is available. Usually it's there's more people on weekends. And um, as a result, I haven't really been able to do a lot of hiking. Uh, but this fall, I'm hoping to remedy that. I imagine the Minecraft audience is on the younger age, so it would make sense. During the day, they're probably in school or yep. taking classes. Oh, yeah. So you're either going to catch them late in the evening or you're going to catch them all day Saturday and Sunday with nothing to do. Yeah, the later evening folks are more the adult fans, which is yep. fine because I, I prefer normally... a. I, when I say mature audience, I don't necessarily mean you know that I have an adult rated stream i don't i don't curse and swear and it's i keep it all pg and family friendly because minecraft is is a family game really um but uh the level of discourse that i enjoy on stream is usually from older players um but see this is the thing like minecraft has been around for 10 years so any player that was 10 or 12 when it came out is now 22 so it's usually uh i find uh the conversations that i see happening in my um my Twitch channel for, for Minecraft streams are like, I'll be right back. I got to go to class, you know, as in like, I have to go to my college class, uh, or mm-hmm. I've got to switch. I, I'm in between class and my part-time job. So I'm, li- I'm tuning in on my phone on the, on the bus on the way there, like that kind of stuff, which I think is really cool. Uh, I'm glad that the game has such long legs for people. Um, then the reverse, uh, I've also got, uh, anecdotally adults in the, cl- in the, in the stream that, are um are into minecraft because their kids got into it and now yep. they're more into it than their kids are <laughs> which, which, i've like, seen that before yeah 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 well that's i mean that's how i that's what happened to me um steven's kids introduced him to it and then they introduced me to it and now steven and i think we play more than they do <laughs> um but it's i mean the thing for me is it's about um the content creation i think i've mentioned this on the show before but i I, I have always enjoyed video games. I wouldn't necessarily identify as a gamer because I don't play everything that comes out. And I have a hard time justifying the time to just sit and play a game on my own. But perhaps it's the podcaster in me, uh, whatever it is. I really enjoy the streaming process. Yep. Uh, so sharing a game and sharing that experience with someone, especially if it's a creative game uh, like Satisfactory or Minecraft where people that are new to it are trying to wrap their head around it and then by watching me they can also learn something or pick up some ideas creatively that i find really rewarding um speaking of actually uh i've been playing a lot of satisfactory lately uh they're gearing up for an update five coming out this fall and now that it is fall we now have a few months i don't know when it's coming out in the fall it could be probably november i would imagine um but that's just i mean it could be as late as mid-december because technically still fall uh, but they have a lot of um, 
like aesthetic parts, like a lot of base building parts. Right now, there's not a lot of uh, angled builds that you can do. Everything is very square. So they're yep. coming off with like angled roof pieces and triangle pieces and, and all the kind of things that you want to kind of use to make your factory look a little bit tighter, a little bit nicer. And so yep. um, I've been designing my factory after the 1980s Transformer Devastator. So it's all neon green and purple mm. and um, lots of angles. And so I'm looking forward to the new angles and stuff. So I've been working really hard to get the infrastructure done, get the the thing up and running so that we can start to build really cool things around it when update five comes out. And so, um, but it's been a lot of fun doing that on stream and it's, it's a, it's a hard thing. I know I've spoken about this on other shows that I've done. I think Gemini Tay and I on the spawn chunks talked about this and maybe it was a post show. I can't remember, but the idea of trying to branch out as a, as a streamer, that's not playing just one game, you know, like you see really strong showing for Minecraft. You see a really strong showing for, uh, Fortnite, uh, Apex Legends, but these people very often, that's the only game they play. Yep. And I'm more of a variety streamer. I like to switch things up. And uh, thankfully, uh, and, and hopefully because of my presentation, Satisfactory is seeing an uptick to the point now where depending on the day, I could play Satisfactory or Minecraft and I'll probably get the same amount of people in the chat. Now, I still do Minecraft on the weekends for two reasons. One, like I said, that's where the Minecraft audience is, but also... Um, going into Monday when I do the Spawn Chunks podcast, I kind of want to have my experience in Minecraft for the week kind of fresh in my mind to talk about on the show. So yeah. when I record on Monday, it makes sense to to do Minecraft on, on Saturday and, and Sunday. Um, have you ever, I don't remember, have you ever poked your big toe into No Man's Sky at all? No. No. Uh, I was interested in it and excited for it when they released the release trailer. But as the game got closer to launch and they revealed more of what the game was like, I was like, oh, this is not a game for me. This is not what I was hoping it would be. Right. Uh, and so I've never dipped my toe in specifically because I'm not I'm not into like building towns and exploring without a purpose. I like story in my game. And when I saw that this is really open ended and there really kind of isn't a plot i was like oh nope not, not for me not for me i'm gonna get bored with this thing in two hours yeah you're looking for a mass effect for yeah. that yeah for that kind of experience yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it it does have more of a story now um but i wanted to bring it up because i did mention the frontiers trailer a couple of weeks ago on the show uh i since updated and went to go play the frontiers trailer um especially because it's available on game pass and it cross saves between Xbox and PC. So um, eventually the plan was to start a new frontier save in one of the expedition missions, which doesn't start you off at the very beginning or like so I thought, uh, get you up to speed a little bit faster. And then I could kind of befriend my Steam player and then basically like give all the goodies from the Steam player to the, to the Microsoft account and basically not have to start from scratch to be able to then stream and play on the pc but then if i'm looking for something chill to do at night on the couch play on the couch with my xbox controller and do some stuff there uh and have it be not two different saves right um yeah but the frontiers release was awful uh i consider myself a pretty positive person i'm a positive streamer i don't like to rag on stuff too much but if you go back and watch the vods on my twitch channel for anybody that's interested in the No Man's Sky Frontiers release and the expedition missions, they are awful. 
it is a poorly designed buggy mess. Now, I want to be sure to say, I admire what No Man's Sky is trying to do, and it is my type of game in terms of its scope and its, its general mission, but I fail to understand how they can repetitively, repeatedly so poorly execute these releases. We're talking about like progression milestones that are out of order, and it's not a bug. That's designed that way. Like you have to yep. unlock, you know, milestone three. And in order to do that, you have to make sure that you've done milestone 4F. And you're like, what? Yep. Where is that? What menu is that buried in? Uh, well, it, one of my biggest gripes, and it's one of the reasons why I have not touched this game, is the creators release content and then they have to constantly apologize and then fix it. And then release content, apologize, and then fix it. And I've been like, if that's the way this game gets released, then I really don't... The, I'm going to be frustrated all the time. And I, 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 I just want something I can jump in and I don't have to think about it. Frustrating was the name of the game. 100% was the name of the game. Uh, it was just roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. It was grounding you on a toxic planet and you have to fix your ship, which is fine. That's, that's how the game starts when you start a new mission as well. But you can get off the ground in about an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Uh, less yeah. if, you, if, you, if it's your second playthrough and you know what you're doing. This was five hours of gameplay and the ship isn't even half fixed and it's like oh Ugh. you have to maybe you have to walk to that colony over there i don't know we don't know what's next because the progression is so obscure and so buried in menus that you can't figure out what to do next and when you're looking at these milestones about where you're supposed to go it gives you a timestamp. it says oh the next settlement on this planet is an hour away real time on foot no and i'm just like no, no. if it was seven no. minutes i would consider it but like, it's no, I just, I do not want to do it. And uh, as a test out of pure frustration of roadblocks, like I have an hour left to stream and there's nothing else left to do. We got in a buggy and like a vehicle and decided to drive it. And it was a terrible experience. So uh, I can, I cannot recommend at all people jumping into No Man's Sky and, and, and exploring it in the expedition missions and what they are saying is the way to experience this new frontiers update you can still enjoy it i did start a new save about two months ago for fun uh on a rainy uh saturday night uh on the xbox from scratch and that experience is still fine that's like repair the landing gear on your ship okay done repair the engines okay done Repair the jump jets. Okay, done. Take off. Like just, it was straightforward. Fix one, two, three, fly away. Like that worked. And then once you're in the space, then it, then it becomes more of a sandbox game and it is self-directed. You kind of have to decide what you want to do. But um, that experience is fine. It was, it's this particular update though. Like I just don't understand how a game developer that has been designing and working on the same game for five years continues to, to design things so poorly receive so much feedback from the community saying this was buggy and awful and yet continues to just make decisions that don't make sense it's just it's common sense it's it's like a b c and instead they're like no 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 z f g and you're like, what why like, wh why is this in this menu? Why is this buried here? Why are you doing this out of order? Like, if there's a specific order this has to go in, this is what it should be presented as. If you want to see something, an interesting story about something like that, uh, the guys who did Darkest Dungeon 
have a free documentary that was done for them about them on uh, YouTube. Uh, I think the escapist published the, the, the thing. It's about 45 minutes to an hour. And they talk about how, when they originally put the game out on, on steam as an early access and how they were an early access darling, and they couldn't believe the money was rolling in and they kept doing things. And then about midway through development, they were getting feedback from fans being like the game's too easy. Game's too easy. Gotta make it harder gotta make it harder gotta make it harder and so they added a bunch of content to the game to make the game harder and then what they found out was the people that were telling them to make the game harder were the minority of people playing it not the majority they were just the most vocal so what ended up happening is is they made the game so hard it was almost unplayable so nobody bought dlc people stopped playing it and they went from being like the number one game being played on steam to the game nobody was playing on steam and they had to kind of revamp the wheel again to get everything rebalanced and they now have the option to make the game harder rather than it being the default and it's an interesting story about game design and how they got from a to z and so when i hear about Companies being like, oh, yeah, we released content and we made the game more challenging. I always go, ooh, you were listening to the wrong part of your fan base. Mm -hmm. It's going to be pushback. I don't think that this is necessarily a response from No Man's Sky for it to be more challenging. I just think that they just can't decide what direction they want to go. And for whatever reason, I just don't understand how the UI design and the game design just don't talk to one another. It's it's yep. like when you're watching, you know, big corporations or big organizations make decisions and something terrible happens in the news and you just kind of sit there and question like how on earth did the HR department not get consulted on this? Like how were you not how did the left hand not know what the right hand was doing, you know? Uh, and that that's something that I I really feel about No Man's Sky. I wish I want to like the game. Like I mean, the Star Wars nerd in me, the Star Trek nerd in me, the sci-fi fan in me, like all of it says like this could be very very cool. And I've got a lot of hours in the game. I've got a hundred hours in my initial Steam save. Uh, and for the most part, before the expansion started happening, I enjoyed it. The expansions just convolute everything and make it a a crazy mess. Uh, they right. really, and there's also, there was also a lot of bugs too. Where you're just kind of like, I, I don't understand how this bug is in the game and it was released. Like, how did no one see this? Like, did you not play test at all ever? It, it just, it really felt, felt, um, half-assed honestly. Um, yep. so, um, again, I didn't enjoy the experience. I didn't enjoy the streaming experience. I, I felt guilty. I've even thought about deleting the VODs because they're just such poor representations of what my channel is like when I'm streaming. Cause you can, you can hear the frustration coming through. Like I didn't swear, but you know, I kept it family friendly, but like there was just some like, when the, when the game design makes you as an intelligent person, at least I think so, oh. feel dumb, yeah. right? When you feel... Yeah. Like, what am I missing? This is embarrassing. Why can't I figure this out? That's that's not a good feeling as a player. And that's when no. I want to move on. Um, I've had uh, a similar, you know, kind of like experience with my my Xbox on some games. Um, but I've also, and I've also realized that I've just, I'm having this problem where I do enjoy the value that Xbox Game Pass gives me. But 
despite the fact that I think I know what I want, I also have the next Netflix problem of sitting down and trying to decide which of the six games I have installed on the Xbox I want to play. I will sit there and mull it over for hours and just not play anything. You have Game Pass problem. I have theme library problem. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend who regularly sends me messages on Steam and he laughs because he knows that what I just bought because it gets published on Steam. Oh, Busy Zombie Lord just bought X, Y, and Z. X, Y, and Z. And he goes, and then I look at you and see what you're playing. He goes, and you're playing the same five games that you always play. And I'm yep. like, I'm like, yeah, I know. And he's like, he's like, he goes, and you just bought a brand new game. Are you playing it? No. And I'm like, well, the baby's distracting me, so I need something that I can walk away from. He's like, that excuse will only last you so long, sir. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, and I'm the same way. Like, I'll... I'll um. At one point, I have to say, look, you know, life can be stressful right now. If you're in the mood to play something, play the thing you're in the mood to play. You know, don't sit in front of the Xbox when you want to sit and play Satisfactory, even though you just streamed Satisfactory this afternoon for a couple hours. Maybe there's an unfinished thing that you want to look at or maybe something you want to try to plan when you're not on stream yep. in front of people, you know, like running some numbers and doing a spreadsheet. Not really good Twitch content. Uh, no. but it's important sometimes for me to at least remember because it's I'm 500 hours into satisfactory now over over five years like I don't remember what is happening in the original factory that I made I have to like I have to write it down somewhere so yep so that kind of stuff uh if I'm in the mood for that I'll just go and do it but I feel guilty you know not sitting on the couch and playing uh Xbox sometimes despite the fact that I, I enjoyed Destiny 2 uh I I had fun with um Titanfall 2 uh, again, very different gameplay experiences than, than what I'm playing on PC. Um, I, I enjoyed Hades for the most part. I not enjoying the grindiness of it, but, um, uh, to your point earlier, Hades has the reverse option. Hades has an option where you can make it easy. Like yep. there's the natural game pro progression. And if you want, you can go into game mode and that doesn't turn it into an easy mode. But what it does is that as you die, it gradually buffs you by like 10%. Yep. So if you're honestly trying to not die, it's only going to make it as hard as it or as easy as it needs to be for you to succeed. It's not going to yep. all of a sudden make it a cakewalk, right? But I really yep. enjoy the writing in that game and the art is so pretty. So I really want to get out of, um, I can't remember. It, I think I'm in Tartarus right now. What I find when I play that game is I'll do two or three runs, take me like an hour. And then I'm like, all right, I'm done for the night. I'm going to go play something else yeah. now. So I, I, it's not a game I can spend 30 hours straight playing it's like one or two hours every night and then i go play something else for the rest yeah. of the night and that's why i like minecraft and satisfactory is because uh they're not stressful experiences like yes in satisfactory there are some bad guys that will try to kill you when you're out adventuring in the in the world as an alien planet but it if you're in your base building they can't come in like the game is yep. not a base defense. There's, it's not a constantly defend yourself from bad guys. Minecraft has a little bit of that. Zombies and skeletons and creepers can kind of come at you. But like at this stage in the game, end game Minecraft, you're so heavily, you know, armored that it's more of a nuisance than it has any real threat. Um, yeah. So My for me, like with, with Satisfactory and, and Minecraft, I find them stress relievers because there's very little taxing or quick decision making like you can take as long as you want to decide what the barracks is going to look like or what the factory is going to look like you know yep my, my biggest gripe with hades is is when you get to go before you do your run you have your weapon selection and it always tells you the one that's going to give you bonus uh 
I think it's like blood diamonds or something like that right. or jewels. Mm -hmm. And it's always the weapon I hate using. Always. Mm -hmm. There's there's six weapons to choose from and there's like three I don't like. And the other three I really like. And if it gives me the ones that I like, man, I can crank through that that that, that dungeon and almost beat it on one in one go. If it gives me the crap weapon, ugh. yeah, I don't, I haven't unlocked them all yet. But right now, I flip flop between the sword and I can't remember the name of the spear, but it's got reach, which is what I like about it. Yep, the spear is probably my favorite. If I use the spear and I get the right and I get the right here, uh, right gods to help me. I can almost I can get to uh basically the last area of the game before you get escape before with no problem. Nice. Uh if they if I if it I can do that with the sword and the, the spear, sometimes with the shield. But if you if I have to take any of the other other weapons, forget it. I they, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Out of curiosity and this might taint my decision to play going forward. Once I get out of Tartarus, as I continue, if I die, do I have to go through Tartarus again? Uh, you have to replay all four areas every single time. Woof. See, <laughs> that's that's the part of the, the roguelike that I just don't enjoy. Like, that's where I'm just uh, like... See, mm. see, I didn't think that I would like that either. But once you get strong enough, that first area of Tartarus, I can breeze through it in like 15 minutes. Right, okay. So, and at, a certain, so at a certain level, you get to the point where the, 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 it becomes a, a cakewalk for that first level, right? It becomes a cakewalk, and then you get to area two, and then you'll get through the area two. It'll be challenging, 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 and then you'll level up enough or strengthen up enough or earn enough bonuses that you can start cakewalking area two. And then you get to area three, and then it'll, it'll go so on and so forth. Uh, you can it, Once you've gotten good, you can probably beat the game in an hour or get through all four areas in an hour i have a friend who does it on a regular basis i'll have to return to it and it's one of those things where i've realized um through sitting down and trying to watch new things for the citadel cafe but also wanting to play more on the xbox realizing that i've i've purchased this thing and use it mostly to watch youtube and twitch which i feel kind of guilty about because i could i could do that on the tv like without anything else i don't need the xbox to because it's a smart tv um so i've been wanting to do a little bit more and i'm excited for things that are coming in the fall from from xbox but uh i also realized uh in all in trying to sit down and watch some things i watched a couple of films uh over the last few weeks just stuff i've seen before like spider-man films realizing that my couch is terribly uncomfortable and i think that's one of the reasons why i don't sit and game for a couple of hours in the living room is because my couch is very old we're talking 15 plus years and and really needed to be replaced and uh the replacement is arriving tomorrow i hope uh i picked up a uh, kivik couch from ikea it took me a long time to figure out the the style of couch that i wanted and and i really i appreciate you the test fact that, that on it first yet Yes. Yeah. I okay. went, uh, All right. Good. not, not this particular color, but, um, I, I, I did see a, a version of it. I'm going to have to add some pillows because there's no, no coaches that you can buy these days are, um, shallow enough for me to be comfortable on it. They're all yep. too deep. Um, but yep. in the process of being deeper than the couch that I currently have, it's also a little bit lower to the ground. So that could help as well. Um, it's, I'm also limited by the space that I have. So I didn't have like a lot of options. 
uh, I have a length that I can't exceed uh, because of the way that my living room is laid out in the apartment. There's, I have to be able to walk around the couch and I have a patio door that opens in. So that can't hit the couch. Or I mean, I could have it hit the couch, but then that's a pain in the butt. I'd much rather the, yep. the door be able to open fully. So um, I, I, can pr I can get it, you know, situated where I want it. Uh, it might involve moving the, the television around a little bit, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, nothing is wall-mounted, so it's, everything can be slid around for the most part. Um, but the big uh, hurdle that I had to jump through was trying to get Ikea to deliver it. I'm just like, how are you not delivering to the city? Like, this is an Ikea that is in the city that I live in. Uh, if, I, if I was to drive it on my own, it's a 10-minute drive. And really? uh, it turns out that the website was having issue with my postal code, and they just weren't available to... They said it repetitively that it wasn't av available to be delivered. Um, and then I held off because I wanted to wait for a different color. I, I was waiting for the Hillard Anthracite, or in layman's terms, dark gray. Uh, which yep. is the, which is what I bought, and um, I think Hillard actually refers to like the way that the fabric is woven because the light gray looked yep. like it was a tighter weave. Anyway, I'm happy <clears throat> with the the purchase having seen one in person. It's got really nice low flat wide arms, so like you could put like a plate or something on the arm of the couch and it wouldn't topple over. You know, it's not they're not yep. poofy arms; they're very flat. So um, I'm still gonna have to pick up some cushions, I think, for for my back because. I don't think the couch, I think the couch is going to be too deep for me, but um, I'm waiting to have it, use it. I've got some pillows around that I can use in the meantime. Um, and pillows from Ikea are cheap. If I decide to go back to Ikea to get them, um, they're pretty cheap to, to pick up. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's not, it's been a while since I've picked up something new in the living room. And when you've lived in the same apartment for quite some time, adding a new piece of furniture really kind of adds a lot to it. Um, yep. But I'm concerned that the uh, the IKEA delivery is not going to go smoothly. They asked a lot of questions in the delivery. I was very clear that it's a third floor, no elevator, like, and they say we deliver to the threshold of your home. Like that's fine. The threshold to my home is on the third floor. It's not the it's not the apartment door. Um, my dad yeah. um, said that um, when uh, they ordered bookshelves or something from IKEA. Um, they wouldn't bring it upstairs, but that's because the threshold of the home was the front door of the townhouse and they didn't bring it upstairs. Uh, yeah. and so the delivery company wasn't from Ikea. It's, it's a contracted out delivery company. So dad is, is pushing me to like contact this delivery company. I'm just like, I don't have it. Like, I don't know. Ikea just says that it's going to be delivered. They don't tell me who's delivering, you know, yeah. we ordered Ikea stuff when we first bought this house, but the nearest Ikea for me is four hours away. Wow. Um, so, uh, my office in the basement where I'm sitting right now, uh, all the furniture here what is uh, Ikea. I have two de Ikea desks, a, a bookcase, and a bunch of other stuff that I had to all put together myself. And the delivery company wouldn't even, uh, do the threshold. They pulled up, rolled up in the back of the truck, dropped a pallet on, in my driveway, and said good luck and drove away. Wow. So, and this was four years ago. So yeah, that, that was that was IKEA delivery here in Maine. Yeah, I I left a lot of details and and they said like tell us about your space and I was just like there are short flights of stairs with wide landings you know like there you know, this is there's a parking spot out front that should be vacant you can also pull up to the main door uh, I mean it won't be the end of the world if they leave it downstairs but there's one piece which is the the frame of the couch which is in a big box. 
Uh, I don't think I'll be able to carry it up. I could probably push it up, but it's one of those things where like, I might have to call a buddy and be like, Hey, can you come over and help me push this box up, box up the stairs? Uh, and if that's the case, I would be asking the name of the delivery company and lambasting them because like, it's costing me 60 bucks, uh, to get this thing delivered, uh, from across town. So like you're movers, that's what you do. <laughs> like your delivery people, yep. like that's deliver it. Uh, that's, <laughs> it's not an Amazon box that just gets left at my front door, you know? Um, yep. so we'll see how it goes. Um, but the delivery cost as much as it is, is still cheaper than what I found out is the alternative. Uh, I went to Facebook, which is not something I do very often. Uh, it's just because that's where a lot of local friends are people that own homes. And I said, Hey friends, I can't seem to figure out how to get Ikea to deliver to my apartment in Dartmouth. Like I, it seems unreasonable that they don't do it during a pandemic. So what gives? And a lot of people responded and said, actually, um, last time we had to do something from Ikea, we had to rent a truck and get it ourselves. I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like that is awful. Uh, yep. I, so, I, 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 I know people who have had to do that too. Yeah. So the, the, the 60 bucks is cheaper than renting a vehicle. Cause, uh, I know how much of a pain in the ass that is. So, um, at least, and plus, you know, I'm hoping that I don't have to, you know, bring it all the way upstairs myself. If I do, I mean, one piece at a time, it's, it comes in three or four boxes. So the one big box is probably the heaviest, which is the frame. Um, I think the website said it was a hundred pounds. I mean, like I'm in decent shape. I can't lift that, uh, up the stairs cause it's a long boss box. It's like six feet long. Um, yeah. but, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm just, I'm very, um, uh, curious about the forthcoming customer service tomorrow morning. Um, but I am also, ex- yeah, thanks. I'm also excited about having a new piece of furniture to enjoy the, you know, television and, and Xbox that I, um, I invested in, uh, this winter. And I mean, as fall comes in and we're looking at getting into colder temperatures and stuff like that, I'm probably going to be spending more time, you know, in the living room now. Um, I've been spending a lot of time outside barbecuing and, uh, been back into the gym a lot lately too. So there's been a lot more outside time, which is, which is nice. But anyway, speaking of being in front of the TV, we should probably get into the, the main meat of the show. Now that we're done talking about what we've been playing, we can talk about what we've been watching. Uh, what's up with you, man? I, I feel like it's been a little while since we've cut up. Like what has been on your, on your small screen at home this week? I've been watching a lot of the same stuff, but I've only come across one new show in the last couple of months that, I thought people should hear about. Uh, I'm a big fan of Martin Short. Uh, Steve Martin, I can... Sometimes he's a hit, sometimes he's a miss. uh, But I like him. And uh, Hulu here in America, I don't know what it would be up in Canada, uh, released a show called Only Murders in the Building. And it's sort of a comedic take on uh, true crime podcasts. And the premise is, is that... Steve Martin's character, who's a used to be a police detective on TV, and Martin Short, who used to produce Broadway plays, their characters are living in this big fancy building in New York City that basically everybody wants an apartment in. It's kind of like the like like being in the, the the place that everybody wants to be, and uh, they both. Uh, end up somebody and they end up having to evacuate the building for uh like what they think is a fire somebody pulled the fire alarm and they find out that they both really like tr- this true crime podcast which is basically supposed to be what's the one that everybody likes um 
Oh, true crime podcast? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't uh, like them at all. Cereal. Oh, it's true. supposed to be cereal. and But it's not cereal, but they, they might as well call it cereal. And they're eating... They end up in the restaurant across the street from their building while the fire alarm's being played, uh, b- being pulled, talking to each other and realize they both listen to the same show. And then in walks Selena Gomez, who lives in their building too. And she ends up having a conversation with them and realizing she likes the same show too only to when they get back to the building find out somebody in their building was murdered while the fire alarm was going off and so the three of them get their heads together and decide they're going to do a live action serial podcast and interview all the tenants in the building and find out who murdered this guy (laughs) in the meantime the cops are like it's not a murder they killed themselves and they're like no 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 why would they do that? And they start nitpicking it. And then they start interviewing people in the building, trying to figure out who did it. And it, they, they have celebrity guests in almost every episode. Uh, Martin Short, one of the people that is his friend in the building, is played by Nathan Lane. Uh, the person who does the podcast they listen to is Tina Fey. And then at one point you find out Sting lives in the building and they show up at Sting's door to question him and accuse him of murder. (laughs) (laughs) To which Sting is like, why are you bothering me? It's really funny. And you slowly get to put pieces together and things that they tell each other, they're not telling each other the whole story. Uh, One of them might know more about what's going on than they're letting on. And it's done very tongue-in-cheek. You do as much laughing as you do trying to actually figure out who the killer is um steve martin's character is like his 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 ex-wife left and he's kind of sad about it and while they're doing all of this it's like he meets a new woman in the building and they might have they might go on a date and like the the uh it's very it's what it's kind of what you want to see Steve Martin and Martin Short do. They're good together and they're playing their distinctive typical roles, but you can tell that they also wrote and are executive producing this. So they're doing the best of what they do best. That's good. They're not give they're not giving themselves anything that pushes their limits. It's really they're staying inside their wheelhouse. I like Steve Martin. Um some of the stuff that he's done has not always rung true with me but i still it's that thing where like not all tom hanks movies are not you know are, are yeah. five stars but i just enjoy tom hanks as an actor and as a person so uh, i tend to forgive a little bit um same with steve martin i find um i find him really a very interesting person and uh, i enjoy him almost like when he's talking and on like a talk show more than i enjoy his projects you know yeah um i keep on meaning to read his book but um i'll have uh, to put it on my list he's the straight man of the three of them that makes sense because he's i see i prefer dry comedy uh which yeah. is why i do not like martin short most of the time i'm i want to usually want to throw him from a moving car um it, it, they play off each other really well because martin short will do his zany whatever thing mm-hmm. and then he'll leave the room and then it'll be him and selena gomez in the scene together and he'll look at her and be like 
God, does that man ever slow down? And mm, it, like, yeah. like, like you, he's literally making fun of Martin Short's character, and you're like, oh, thank God, it's not. They're not playing it up like he's like he's normal. They're playing it right. up like, well, he's crazy. That's that's what I usually have a problem with with the Martin Short films is that he he's usually presented as like this is supposed to be normal, and everybody acts like this is just a normal human being. It's like this is insane. I don't. Yeah, yeah that's that's good. Um, yeah, because I, 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 I do she, like them. And she plays along with the two of them. You'd think with the age difference, it might not be like it would be weird, but she's sort of like the one that grounds them. Like they're talking about technology and they have no idea what they're talking about. She's like, no, give me your smartphone. And then she like fixes it and she hands him back his phone. It's like, God, you guys are old. Like, like she's <laughs> it, 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 like she actually balances out the two of them in a way that it, it the, the three of them in a scene together is awesome. I've not seen selena gomez in anything i only know who she is from just pop culture and the internet um like you can I, act. Ha- I i was i was skeptical going into this I was, i've seen her in a few things and some of it is eh. and, and then i was like oh wait she can actually act and here's the thing like i've seen uh, a couple of other actors recently in interviews like round tables and things like that uh uh and i feel like there's a certain amount of uh preconception that yep. social media pop culture news kind of puts out there and then a lot of these actors that are starting out and young and hit this massive like range of popularity um zendaya is a really good example yeah. from the the spider-man films no yep. idea who this girl was before i saw her in the spider-man films and i was like yep, i like her too. she's awesome she's dry she's goofy she's got she's got a lot going for her as an actor uh, I didn't know she had this massive following online because I'm just I'm old and I just don't know who she is. And yep. what I like so much about this, though, is that they have this popularity from whatever kids show or Disney show they were on or whatever it is that they're bringing forward. But then they have the opportunity to choose a project that will help their strengths shine and really let the world know. No, 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 no. I'm not just a, a kid show sensation. Like I can actually do this. For example, I follow Haley Steinfeld online and I've only found out about her through the Bumblebee film, but I'm excited because I really enjoyed her performance in that. Uh, and knowing that she's involved in the Hawkeye series that's coming to Disney plus. I'm looking forward to that because I know she's got acting chops. I right. didn't realize until I started following her online that she's a singer. <laughs> Like that she's got this huge following for something completely different that I had no idea that she did. I only knew her as an actor. I didn't know that she was a singer too. There's a lot of this, um, I want to say that generation of like that kind of age range of, of actors and actresses in that kind of like bubble where they can kind of do it all. And because of like for whatever reason they just kind of like ah, i feel like leaning into my music right now and they just kind of do that and they put out an album and then they switch hit and say well nope now i'm going to be back and doing this acting thing on disney plus with marvel so hey here we go um but i i, I like i enjoy her I, I thought she was really good in in bumblebee um so i'm looking forward to to hawkeye as well um the trailer i don't like it looks fun i don't know what they're planning it looks like they're doing a christmas twist on the hawkeye comic uh uh uh, run from the early 2000s okay which if that's the plot expect a lot of laughs 
I, yeah, I get the feeling that it's supposed to be pretty funny, but I also find that Hawkeye in the in the films, he's cool, but he's also always dropping the one-liners. You know, like it's yeah. he's a pretty funny dude. Uh, it, so. it, 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 it's something I would definitely recommend people check out. Is there is it's it, there's a run of comics called Hawkeye, and it it pretty much is borrowing from this plot. And the idea is like he's trying to retire from the Avengers. And he's moved back to New York City. In the comics, he doesn't have a family. So that's, I think, part of why they had to figure out a way to get the family out of the way. And in it, it's like he's living in an apartment building and the Russian mob buys the building and they're trying to evict everybody so they can knock it down and build uh, like condos for the rich and like a bunch of stuff. And he decides to take it into his thing to go petition the 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 the, the, the city of New York and be like, yeah, no, they can't buy this building. Uh, I have some money. Maybe I'll buy the building. And the Russian mob decides to put a hit out on him. <laughs> and like, that's the run of the comic. And she's like his protege. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, what? And she's like, now we've got hit squads coming after us. What are you doing? And like, he ends up with a dog that is the Russian mobs because they're using it to attack him and it decides it likes him better. <laughs> and and these guys, in, these Russian dudes in sweatpants keep showing up at his door trying to beat him up. And they're like, bro, what are you doing, bro? Just give us the building, bro. And like every other word out of their mouth is bro. It's a, it's a joke. And so I see this trailer and I'm like, oh, they're cutting back all the funny bits because they don't want you to know how funny this thing is going to be. I could be on board with that because I, I don't know, like I'm Disney plus on and, and Marvel for TV series are not knocking it out of the park for me. I really liked the Falcon and the winter soldier. WandaVision was okay. It was interesting. What if is falling flat on its face for me? Uh, Loki. Eh. What if has been very hit or miss for me? Uh, when there's an episode I like, I really like it. When there's an episode I don't like, I really kind of don't like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like I'm, I'm hopefully optimistic about the Hawkeye series. Cause I like Jeremy Renner as an actor and I like the character and I like how he's handling Hawkeye. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, there's going to be, uh, it looks like there might be some Disney plus in my future. Cause that is actually how you can watch uh, only murders in the building in Canada. It's on star. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? So, so it's on Disney plus. Um, yeah, I, I keep on um, forgetting now that Disney has incorporated Star into at least the Canadian offerings. Um, yeah. It's probably on the, in the U.S. It, as well. It, it makes sense to me because uh, Disney owns like 75% of Hulu right now. Yeah. So what's nice about that is that it brings some non-kitty stuff to Disney Plus, right? Like you can, yeah. there's a lot of different things I can watch on there now, which is cool. Um, speaking of Disney Plus, uh, you might be wondering why we're not talking about Star Wars Visions. Well, that's because it came out like six hours ago. <laughs> yeah, I was going to uh, say, I, did, I, I, I wasn't sure that it, I saw reviews yesterday and I loaded up my Disney Plus and was like, oh, it's not out yet. It'll be out later this week. Okay. Yeah, no, it's out right now. And I'm looking at all of the episodes for season one. Uh, they did not. Oh, do, did they do, yeah, did they they do did all the, at once? They did the dump. Uh, they put them all down. Uh, it looks like... Man, I wish they'd do that more often. Yeah, nine episodes. Uh, no indication as to how long they are on the website. But uh, looks like one of them... Oh, yes, there is. 23 minutes, 17 minutes, 15 minutes. So it's a small offering. That's why they're not doing it in, in um, weekly yeah. releases because most of them are... Well, all of them are under half an hour. So uh, I'm on board to check this out. I, I saw the trailer weeks ago. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm hoping it's going to be a fun experience. 
I'm hoping it's better than Love, Death, and Robots Season 2 because I didn't even mention that on the show. I didn't like it. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure we did not talk about that. No. And I know that I watched it. Yeah, I did too. Uh, I don't even think I finished it. Um, yeah, uh, so look, I finished it. I finished it. And there was like three I liked and the rest I was like, wow, that was crap. Yep. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt too. Uh, I feel like um, with this one, not only are some of them like visually stunning, um, but I've just been jonesing for some Star Wars lately. Uh, and I'm just, I've been holding off for like really gross weather outside to like watch Star Wars. I haven't watched Star Wars on my new TV. Um, yep. I need to sort out my audio situation before I think I return to my, my big watches this winter are the Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, uh, especially with Amazon doing their own, their own series. Now, uh, I want to rewatch those and I just, I re I need better sound. The earphones that I have are not great. Uh, and, um, weirdly, I experience Disney plus better through my TV than I do through the Xbox. There's something wonky about how the Xbox handles Disney plus and I get a much smoother experience, uh, on the TV. But, uh, as such, I don't have options for headphones yet for the TV. I would so. say nothing's worse than HBO's, uh, HBO's, uh, uh, streaming service. HBO max is the most unmanageable, unwieldy, of all of the fronts like Netflix or Hulu or uh, any of them. Yeah. So I have to go through Crave when that happens. So it's a different interface for me altogether. The, uh, the HBO Max interface itself, literally I click the button on my Roku and everything on my Roku is almost instantaneous. Uh, anything I, anytime I have to do anything with HBO Max's interface, it's like you push the button, wait 60 seconds, push the button, oh, wait 60 seconds. Rough. Yeah, and HBO themselves has said they understand the problem. They'll get around to fixing it when they're not bet when they're not getting you major content. Don't aren't you glad we're just giving you theater movies right now? And I'm like, <laughs> no, fix your interface, dummies. Yeah. Because as soon as Dune is out and I've watched it, I'm canceling your surfing. <laughs> I've heard really good things about Dune, and I've heard really good things about Shang Chi. Uh, I've not seen uh, which, either. Which which uh, Shang Chi is coming to um, Disney Plus November twelfth? Wow, or November fifteenth? Well, I can appreciate why they're waiting. I mean, it's the number one movie in the world, at least last time I checked. Uh, yeah, which um, is just for Simu Liu, like my gosh, hats off! Like congratulations! Like that's fantastic to see and hear. I just for whatever reason, I just. A theater is just not in my vernacular right now. I just, it's not on the list of what I need to do. I, now, I, I don't even have one to go to. Weirdly, I'm going to the gym a couple times a week where I'm probably interacting with way more people than I would had I gone to a movie theater. But I just, I balance that decision out with like, it's for my health. <laughs> Sitting yep. in a movie theater for two hours has got nothing to do with my health. <laughs> yep. No. Uh, uh, and uh, I don't know if you know, did you see Black Widow yet? No, no desire to. I, I, uh, I don't I, think I'm going to like it. And I know that's a weird thing to say. I'm just tired of wasting time and being disappointed by stuff that's well, obviously an afterthought. Well, the thing that you, you might like to know is that Black Widow's coming to Disney Plus as non-payable in like three weeks. Oh, that's good to know. I'll check that out. So so at that, that that's kind of my thing is, is I'm sure I'm going to like it or I'll at least enjoy it. It'll be worth time. But I wasn't going to pay 30 bucks. No. And There's... they had already said, they had already said in 90 days, it's going to be.
Disney Plus for free. And I went, well, then why am I going to pay 30 bucks? I'll just wait the 90 days. Yeah, there's a couple of movies that are now past that Disney exclusive. I want to say Raya and the Last Dragon is watchable now. And I think it is. And Cruella just became available like last week. Or Luca is as well the latest from pixar so there's all these things yep. that i wanted i've been wanting to watch that um i need to return to disney plus i might even um postpone my netflix subscription for a little bit because um i upped the the netflix increased their cost uh but the, i also increased my plan because i have a 4k tv and i wanted to take advantage of the dolby uh atmo stuff which i will say when i've watched some things on netflix that have been dolby uh like those spider-man films uh from mm-hmm. like marvel disney uh, they they're wow and Sony I should say uh, they're they look fantastic I'm I mean I'm glad that I'm paying the extra to take advantage of the 4K um, but speaking of Netflix uh, that's what I've been spending my time this week doing uh, He Man and the Masters of the Universe again in 2021 uh, is out on Netflix uh, this is the redo redo of the IP. This is aimed at a very young audience, uh, super cartoony. It looks like Troll Hunters 3 Below Next Gen because the pre-production was done by House of Cool that did the pre-production for Troll Hunters 3 Below Next Gen. Yep. Um, Jeff Matsuda is a producer, and I recognize the name because I was a big fan of the Batman cartoon that was out in 2004. Uh, yep. Really angular stuff, really different stuff, kind of ex- a lot of extremes. Um, yep. Boris uh, Andreev is a concept designer on the show uh, from the Dragon Prince. My guess is that Andreev was working on environmental designs. Um, I went looking and Hannah Kalok, I want to say is how you pronounce her last name, is listed as the character designer, but I can't find anything of hers online. Um, I Google keeps on throwing me to another Hannah, so I don't know if there's some sort of like... Um, like Probably. English twisting of her last name and that it's, it's one way on IMDb and another way on, on other websites. But like, I can't find her artwork anywhere online. Um, and I don't know why for what I can say, no one is talking about the designs, uh, on this show. Uh, everyone is just talking about like, it's amazing. It's so goofy and weird and blah, blah, blah. And all of it is just Obviously, like those pre-reviews that are written before the show even comes out that are meant to just get attention for it. Um, Puff pieces, essentially. Um, I'm not seeing anything critical of it, which is too bad because there are some things that it definitely falls short on. But on the positive side, it's really cool looking for the most part. It's it's very modern. Uh, They do a lot of stuff with like glowing energy and crystals. And it really emphasizes the sci-fi and the magic part of he-man uh really really cool effects uh and worthy of note the whole thing is cg yeah like troll hunters how to train your dragon etc but really the effects are hand-drawn they're all flat 2d yeah if an explosion happens or smoke happens or a lightning bolt happens it's all 2d (laughs) like it was a flat disney film it's really cool it works really really well and again hammers home like the cartooniness of it uh anybody that's six is gonna love it because and any, it but like anybody anybody rut. older than that is uh, gonna go oof it is there are some there are some hard parts to it uh, and i'll get to that um but as a higher concept like 
the sci-fi level of it, the planes of existence, the magic, the history, the technology, how magic and technology are sort of like intertwined to the point where they're indistinguishable is really cool. Um, they just, they, they take things like, um, and I don't know whether this was canon ever or whether it's from a previous show that they're stealing this, but Skeletor, you don't actually get to meet Skeletor until like three or four episodes in. So like spoilers, but it turns out that Skeletor is Keldor, King Randor's I don't brother, know it. I don't know if that's jealous canon or not. It's been a long time since I watched regular He-Man. I mean, it's not. It's not from. It's not from the original He-Man. The original He-Man. It was a Skeletor yeah. the bad guy. He's in purple. That's all you need to know. But I know that there's been some reboots of He-Man in the last little yeah. while. There's another one in like 2008. Um, and I don't know whether they went down that road. But man, like it's it. It does add a little bit of depth to uh, what I thought was uh, already an interesting yeah. idea and how they were presenting it. Uh, Adam is an orphan uh, living in the jungle with a community of wildcats. So like strange, but uh, ends up um, meeting up with his uncle, who's obviously very evil. And the whole reason that they both disappeared in the first place. And so there's a lot of like, backstory and the the one the, the thing that about the writing i will say is that they don't give you the whole story in one go so the reason i'm still watching the reason i'm five or six episodes into the 10th episode season is that they do present a really interesting world for anybody that knows eternia that's familiar at all with this ip you kind of want to know how they're going to handle it because everything just looks so different and you can start to see the nuances of not the nuances. You can start to see the hints towards characters. Like Trapjaw is in it. I've seen the art, but he's not in it yet. But I'm I know who Trapjaw starts out as. And in this particular version, Trapjaw, I can't remember the character's name before he turns into Trapjaw, but he starts out as the captain or the technical captain of the King's Guard, who defects and becomes a bad guy. So he used to be part of the palace guard. And he's a real tech head. And now he's just like a pirate um, because he, he turned heel and decided he didn't, he didn't like the, the king. So like there's a little bit more complex, you know, nuance to some of the characters, which I like. Um, the other thing that they did is that uh, they've separated the magic. And I, and I think this is something that I've heard before. Skeletor staff, they call it the Havoc staff. I'm pretty sure that right. they called it the Havoc staff before. Um, but, but Havoc is a type of magic in Eternia and it's different than, uh, I don't, I don't even know if they give the power of Grayskull a name for the power that it is. They just call it the power of Grayskull. Um, but Havoc is basically like the yin and the yang of it, right? So for the fact that there's all this light energy on the planet, there's also this dark energy and it's neon green and it's slimy and it's very Skeletor. Uh, and it turns Randor's hand into a bone. So like when you first meet, um, not Randor, um, Keldor, when you first meet Skeletor, he's not fully a skeleton yet. He's only got a bony hand. Um, so stuff like that is really cool. Uh, and it just has this kind of like eighties vibe to like the neon green, the slime mountain and like all that kind of stuff that, that we knew kind of growing up watching the show. Um, and I like that. I like that they give it this twist because it's, it, it keeps the clarity, but it reminds me of stuff like the fell right. energy from world of Warcraft, 
the things that the demons use and then eventually um, the warlocks use to to control people. Uh, and that's what turns all the orcs green in World of Warcraft and turns them into evil, like killing machines. And so it it has this familiarity to it um, that means that you'll grasp what's going on very quickly. But then it also has this um, kind of unfamiliarity to it where they're really taking things to a new level in terms of what the characters are, what the characters mean. It's really difficult to look up information about the show because every time you Google Masters of the Universe and Netflix, of course, you get yep. all the articles about Revelation, right? And the the giant um, yeah. When I first saw the trailer show. for this, my thought was, oh, in early productions, Netflix realized that the Revelations things was going to be a dumpster fire, so they prepped this in anticipation of the dumpster fire, so they could be like, no, 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 forget about that thing. Watch this. Well, this is by Mattel Television. So was the Revelation as well. But I think Revelation was meant to be aimed at the 40-year-olds. And you can't sell toys to that many 40-year-olds anymore. I mean, ironically, they're the ones that have the money to buy them. But the toys for these things, for this line, is probably what's driving this, which is nothing new. It's what He-Man was in the 80s, too. Um, the problem that I have with it is is that you have an opportunity to do something really cool with a well-known IP, and instead you're just basically phoning it in to, to sell toys, which I understand is what the first one was for in the 80s. But you, everybody's grown since then. Everyone knows how marketing works. Everybody knows how this stuff works. You should really give your audience a little bit more credit. Um, so yeah, it's, there's some things about it that, um, they get terribly wrong. But before I get there, I really want to say that, uh, compared to Tila in Revelations, which they got wrong, uh, Tila in Masters of the Universe, this, this cartoon, this kid's cartoon is entirely different and entirely right. She's black. She does magic. She has little floating tech, almost headphones that kind of sit kind of outside of her temples. So she's got magic and technology that's always floating around her. She's strong-willed. And I would say she's the moral leader of the group. And when she has Grayskull powers, because in this show, once Adam unlocks the sword accidentally and turns into He-Man, he then shares the power of Grayskull with the four or five companions that help kind of save him and his village from from these bad guys and so his best friend tila who just happens to be there uh uh man at arms who defects from the bad guys to be a good guy uh they just call him duncan in the show uh and then cringer who happens to be one of the cats that he-man is is living with all get powers from grayskull so when tila gets powers from grayskull she stops being a witch which means that she has to like cast work like spells with words and concentrate she becomes a sorceress and tila actually can talk to the ghost of the sorceress of grayskull in this show and so she learns about grayskull's powers and she has like this crazy full armored sorceress space void wing design with like a power ranger helmet like i mean everything is over the top like it's it's really it's really out to lunch as far as some of the designs go uh, sometimes it works with Tila. It works. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm not a big fan of the He-Man design. Um, but like they, they really nailed how to create Tila as the love yeah. interest for Adam, sort of 
the uh like really representation is there they they give her an excellent personality she like they she's really concerned with doing the right thing whereas a lot of the other characters are just concerned with making poop jokes so it it really does sit well um it's one of the i want to say the few things it's it's one of the things the show got right the things that they get really wrong it's just it's so kitty, and I understand that it's not meant for me. Like I, I can sit at and watch something and realize, okay, this isn't aimed at me, but kids are still going to really like it. But I kid you not, there is a fart, poop, or barf surprised. joke in every episode. Not surprised at all. Like it is horrible. Like there's, it's the kind of stuff where parents would be like either rolling their eyes or maybe telling their kids, maybe don't make that joke. Like it's don't so don't like it's basically like. The whole thing suffers from what I think are too many mm-hmm. spoons in the pot, right? Like they, you can tell that there was an underlying vision. Um, the showrunner is Robert. Gosh, I can't remember. Robert David. Rob David, I think, is the, is the showrunner, um, and he did things like um, Max Steel and yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from two thousand eight. So if you know what Max Steel is, then this show does not surprise you at all. Yeah. It's just over the top, crazy, you know, stuff, you know, things that you would imagine. And I don't want to stereotype, but what you would imagine most six-year-old boys are into um, in terms of like, you know, cool rockets and hammers and all kinds of stuff. Um, but they just, they really go hard on the lowbrow, um, this is just dumb um content and it's unfortunate you, you because, can tell that, that that's probably uh, some executive decision out there this is boring where are the jokes and yep 100 yeah that's that's what i came to as well is that it's just it's the dialogue especially is terrible it's insulting for kids like they they say things that just it's a forced joke or it's a really adult joke you're just like why if you're gonna go this kitty why is why is Duncan talking about, I don't like fixing humans. I don't like fluids. You know, it's like, there's just, there's a lot of stuff that just goes over the kid's head, but then sits with an adult. Like that was awkward. Like, why is that in this show? Because again, the show is, is really um, aimed at young kids. I mean, like there's also fourth wall breaks for joke pauses from Skeletor and everyone. It's like, even when Skeletor's minions are rolling their eyes at the at the one punch lines, and you almost expect Skeletor to go, yeah. eh? Eh? Like it just it's it's terrible. And yet in the next scene, he's supposed to turn around and be like this evil, maniacal thing. Now, again, I understand that Skeletor was goofy and cackly and weird in the original series. I get it. We're not in the 80s anymore. Like there's there's something to be said for a modern audience if you're gonna take something forward. And this show, the dialogue in this show makes Arrow look That's like a well-written bad. television show. It's, yeah, it's, it is obvious and you can almost say, and this is the scene where the character says, I don't get it. Sure enough, that scene happens. You're like, son of a gun. Like, like what formula? Like somebody found a script template yep. and is filling it in to write the show. Uh, uh, I, I find it's, that- it's rough. <laughs> Um, Netflix stuff that's on Netflix are very hit and miss for me. And 
it's usually stuff like this where like I think it's gonna be good and there's things I like about it, but then I can tell that there's some Netflix executive in the background being like, No, I it's not funny enough. Add some fart jokes and you're like, Oh no, that's what's ruining this show. This would be really clever and I would have loved this as a kid, but the jokes would have driven me nuts. Exactly. And there's, and there's all this, this formula to the design of it too. Like I really don't like the model for Skeletor now that he's fully in the show. And again, I get it. Skeletor in the eighties was a muscle bound, you know, dude, every human in the, every humanoid in the show had the same basic construction yep. in the eighties because they had a budget. Um, the show has a much larger budget and, uh, and they just basically made Skeletor look exactly like He-Man, but bony on his legs. And, and they don't, they don't really, they don't really explain what's going on. Like, I just, I really feel like they could have, they had an opportunity for Skeletor to be very cool and they just made him the same shape and silhouette as, as He-Man. Um, I'm not a fan of the way that they, they, He-Man is mm -hmm. a kid no matter what. So even when yeah. it's like um, Shazam, uh, Captain Marvel for DC, whenever He-Man changes, whenever Adam changes into He-Man, yeah. he's still a goofball teenager, which I don't enjoy. Um, I really wish that he could be just a little bit more of a, of a hero. Um, something I really enjoyed about the original He-Man series is that He-Man back then was like Captain oh, America yeah. now, right? Like he just, he did the right thing. There was, he was moral and he would punch the bad guys, but there was always, he was always just trying to fight for truth and justice. And in this, half the time they win because yep. of pure circumstance uh, or, you know, just luck or... Adam is just like they, and they also do the same thing every single show. Uh, there's the sequence where um, He-Man does like a lightning strike or something, and it's this over-the-top like anime, animated thing. But it doesn't even show him hitting the bad guy. And it's like if you're gonna do the same thing every every week, then just start with that. Like, <laughs> why are you not punching more things to save the day? It just it's. Yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff that feels very formulaic, like you said, very executive producer checkbox. I'm the boss. I want this in the yep. show. I don't care whether it works or not. Uh, it's it's Back very in the day, very. I, I, I'm a big anime fan, and in the '90s, there was a, a the late '90s, early 2000s. There was a company that used to import anime, translate it, and then dub it, called ADV, and they imported a lot of anime I liked. My problem was is you couldn't watch it ever dubbed. And it wasn't that the voice actors were bad. It was whoever decided to translate it would literally rechange the plot and make the jokes. It, whereas the joke wouldn't, there wouldn't be a joke. They would feel that the, the, they would change lines of dialogue to be like, it's your birthday and the character would be dancing. But instead, in the original cut of the the anime, the guy would be going, yes, I finally have won. I've And he's doing like a dance of victory because he thinks he beat the hero. And then it would be like they changed the dialogue to be modern and it would be a fantasy anime. And you'd be like, or they'd make a political joke in a fantasy anime where like they'd make reference to like the president of the United States. And you'd be like, why did they do that? It doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And that company went out of business and it's like, Oh, I understand why they went out of business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the shortcomings don't stop there. I mean, for everything that is imagined and cool, uh, and unique, and I'll give something points for being unique, but I still think that Ram ma'am 
uh, the design for her and her powers is stupid. Like it, her crystal rock helmet thing is ridiculous. Like it, I've never seen anything so dumb in a cartoon in my life. Crass, when she's not Ram Ma'am, has a helmet. It's too big for her because it's the helmet yep. that her dad used to wear. And you find out during the show, small spoiler, that Adam and her are friends because they're both orphans. Yeah. Crass's ship crashed. And the only reason she, she survived is because she was wearing her dad's helmet and her parents right. died. So she does not take this helmet off. So when the power of Grayskull transforms her, it also transforms her helmet, but it transforms it into the dumbest looking thing I've ever seen. And you want to like her because she's a cool chick. It's like tank girl for kids, right? Like she's yeah. all pink. She wants to headbutt everything. Uh, her solution to most things is to just smack it. You know, like it's just, yeah. she, I like her a lot. Um, you but, just don't like the look. No, the look though is so weird. And it's got some cool ideas to it. Like, it's got rockets in the back of the helmet. So like she literally is blasting her head into things. Um, and her suit that when she transforms, she's got like calf rockets, just like Iron Man, you know, uses his calf right. rockets to, to boost up. And, and so at the same time that you're thinking like, that looks really cool. And I can see the function of that. And maybe she's going to have rollerblades uh, or something like that. You also get this, like, why is she wearing this three tiered crystal penis on her head like it's it's really phallic and it's really hard to get past yeah and i, I want to be very very clear here i want to be very careful just because i'm not a fan of these designs doesn't mean that they're bad designs uh i get the feeling that a lot of the character design decisions were perhaps out of the designer's hands i would really like to see and i went looking and i couldn't find anything online in terms of model sheets concept art nothing so i'm hoping in the coming weeks we'll find some stuff uh because i get the feeling like just like the story there's got to be some uh executive input uh into the character design and and right. that's why that they are the way that they are um because sometimes like again sometimes tila knocks out of the park man at arms eh, it there's something odd about it that i just it just doesn't seem like it could be as cool as it as it could and here's the thing and i need to wrap this up uh because i could probably go on about this forever the show has some really unique ideas and designs i'm still watching so it's not so bad that i'm not watching uh i hurt myself sometimes when i roll my eyes watching the show but other than that you have this weird battle that goes inside as you're watching this unique take on the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe IP. On one hand, you're like, wow, Tila looks great. That's such a cool thing. Uh, Skeletor and the Havoc magic, that's also a cool concept. The fact that he's He-Man's uncle is twisted and weird and cool. Uh, Ram Ma'am, even though she looks dumb, I like her as a character. Um, she's even a little bit wall-eyed, like a pug. Like she doesn't really look straight ahead. So like yeah. there's a bunch of little things that you just realize are very interesting design cues, but then everything else is derivative. Like yeah. Ram Man sort of has, has this Iron Man vibe. You take one look at Man at Arms, Metroid. You yeah. look at Orko, next gen. You look at, yeah. uh, or Wally, uh, Eva from, from Wally or Eve, uh, the, you you get you look at He-Man and it's just like this typical kind of like great big chest, small, tiny waistline stuff. 
Um, he's got this great big, like looks like a barn door for a sword. Uh, yep. there, there's a lot of stuff that just feels like it's pulled from so many other IPs where you can just, you can hear why be creative when we can steal from everybody. Look, you can hear the executive saying, just make it like this. Just make it like the Avengers, make it like Disney, make it like star Wars, make it like this. And just micromanaging this stuff down to the point where it's not original and you know that there was probably some really cool original ideas put forward that got squashed by the, we just want to make it sell. Right. Yeah. And it's too bad. Um, I, to end it on a positive note from the design, one of the things I really like uh, is Cringer. Uh, even though Cringer is just his namesake, um, they, um, he's not a scaredy cat. He's actually much more intellectual. It's kind of like having Alfred the Butler around from Batman. Um, but he's yeah. been declawed. I think someone removed his claws uh, in, in some sort of battle or, or, or slave sort of situation. So when he gets the power of Grayskull, he gets like mechanical claws that he can like shoot out of and like he can do all this kind of stuff. And he also like triples in size. <laughs> like it's, yeah. he looks really cool. And he's also intellectual enough that he can enjoy it. You know, like he really yeah. digs it when he's Battle Cat. Um, there's just, there's a lot of really cool stuff like that that goes for it. But then it's all just kind of like pulling back and forth in your brain to like, but I've seen as unique as this is, somehow I have seen all of this before. And, yeah. and they didn't even try to hide it. And that I find is, is the, the biggest kind of like battle that I have watching the show. It's different than revelation with revelation. I was just like, why am I watching this? Is it going to get any better? Nope. It's still terrible. And this, it's just like, I'm curious to see how they're going to handle it and how they're going to push it forward. I'm curious to see Adam meet his father, you know, um, cause his dad thinks he's dead. Uh, King Randor thinks Adam is dead. Um, right. He think he thought both his his brother and son were dead, um, but then like Adam as a character, I don't like him. He's wishy washy. He's he's um, he man isn't even the leader of the group. Like it just they really kind of miss the mark with the leader of the of the show. So there's all these kind of like push and pull things where it's not terrible. I'm still watching, but you kind of wonder like why so many things that have so much potential end up falling flat and yeah. I can't really put my finger on it. But the the problem is that we live in a world where shows like Avatar, the last airbender legend of Korra and the dragon prince exist. Dragon yeah. prince is produced by Netflix. Um, now I realize I just named three shows all from the same showrunners, but the point is there are good shows that appeal to kids and adults that are well-written. Um, I have some criticisms of, dragon prince but it's still miles better than most things out there right now um and i mean i really enjoyed avatar the last airbender and Korra when that was on so like that stuff is out there you have a bar you have to at least aim for it if you want to impress people and i just really feel like they just kind of said we just want to get this phoned in and done um so yeah it again like your six-year-olds are gonna love it you are probably going to stomach it <laughs> if you're going to watch it with them. Moving on into the Internet Minute, which is brought to you by you as we wrap things up here. If you get value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member-only Discord server. Other benefits include website credits, 
thanks, and of course, bonus episodes. Our goal each month is to have at least one more patron than the month before. We're holding steady at number 25. If you'd like to be patron number 26, check out patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. I have a pick this week, and it is a new video game that came out on Epic Games. We talked about this on the show a couple months ago, I think. It's uh, yes. Kina, Bridge of Spirits. Uh, it is available now for PC on the Epic Game Store. It's also available on PlayStation. Looks really cool. You grow a team of charming spirit companions called the Rot, which is a weird name for spirits, but uh, and you can ex- enhance their abilities and create new ways to manipulate the environment. So it's got this like environmental puzzle adventure feel to it it's also got some collecting to it uh and there's obviously going to be some some boss battles and things but the boss battles are more like you know evil spirits that are destroying the world and stuff like that uh you're not running around like fighting bad guys so much as i can say i've not looked into it too heavily because i obviously want to play it and i don't want to spoil anything i've only seen a few minutes played on twitch it looked really pretty um, I'm definitely going to check out more of it if I have a chance, um, but check out Kina Bridge of Spirits on Epic Games. Have you seen this at all, Luke? I have, and it has a very, very uh, GameCube N64 Zelda vibe, which is what interests me about it. That's what I thought, too, was Zelda vibe. This is definitely something that's up my alley. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll look into it further, and if I decide to pick it up, um, I'll probably stream it uh, and let people know, because I can use my Xbox controllers with the PC, so... Yep, could be that could be fun. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. If you'd like to get more information about the show, some of the links that Lou and I talked about are going to be posted at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod, and you can email the show at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find us by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. Word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. You'd be surprised how far that goes, actually. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. Listen to my other podcast about Minecraft at thespawnchunks.com. We've got Minecraft Live coming up in October, which is when uh, Mojang is going to be announcing what's coming new for Minecraft. So lots of news going to be coming out, I think, over the next few weeks regarding that. So check that out at thespawnchunks.com. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media, and I will point you towards twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where I'm going to be doing some art this week. I'm going to be streaming more Satisfactory and maybe even Kina Bridge of Spirits. Lou, where can people find you online? Easiest place to find me is on all the social social media that matters under the name Busy Zombie Lord. And you can check out my show, Zombies Ate My Podcast, where last week we talked about the second episode of the premiere of The Walking Dead, which is being for their last season. This is one starting to hit it out of the park. I'm kind of happy with it. And next week we're going to talk about the 1990s remake of Night of the Living Dead. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two. <laughs>